Buffs Nation. What's going on? Welcome back into the Buffs Nation podcast. It's game week, and such a weird year. We're finally here. First game of the season, Buffs taking on the Bruins this Saturday in Boulder. As always, I'm Tyler Walgie. To my right, Jared All. Jared, how are you? Excited. Excited for the first time for real that this season is actually here and it's coming, Tyler. Yeah, I know. It seems like we've been talking about this for months on end and we're finally here. Of course, Ryan Smith, producer. Uh, two, two diehard Buffs fans. That's what I love about this Buff show. Ryan, it's what's game going on? week, baby. Exactly. So uh, we got a lot to get into today. Now, for those who've been listening to the uh, preseason shows, uh, we actually didn't have a, a podcast, what, it was a couple of weeks ago, right? The last show that we did. And we, our plan was to go through, break down the depth chart, position by position. But due to some unforeseen things that happened, including the uh, snowstorm we got, uh, no show for a couple of weeks. So instead of going uh, into each position today, what we'll do is dive right into the UCLA, to the uh, CU-UCLA game. And in that, we're going to talk pretty much about every guy on this roster. Now, if I happen to miss anybody, Jared's going to let me know at the end of the show. We'll circle back around and do a more of an in-depth kind of preview. But I think we're going to talk about everybody today because guess what? Everyone who uh, who's on the roster right now, starters and a lot of backups, they're going to be very important in this uh, upcoming game. So uh, before we get going, we are going to start how we do every show this day in Colorado football history. Ryan, what do we got for today? So this day in Colorado football history, we're going to go back to 1961. Going back in the time machine. Right. I love it. Uh, so that was the very first ever nationally tele- televised game from Boulder. Nice. And um, CU took the W against Missouri 7-6. to Of course they did. Well, 7-6, low scoring. That's just classic 1961 football right there. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a cloud of dust football right there. That's, <laughs> I love that. Well, and, and of course, uh, we get the big win right on national TV. How, how, how is that? It's perfect. The right? Buffs seem to like to play on national TV. I, Dude, think, I think hopefully we get a few of those games coming well, this year. This game coming up, it's on ESPN2 this weekend. By the way, 5 o'clock ESPN2. Is ESPN2 technically national, or do they do like regional stuff on ESPN2? I think it's all national. I'm not so sure. Or it's just like one of those things where you put on the ESPN app, and they have 95 games all listed on ESPN2. You can pitch, pick which one you watch, but I don't care what anyone says. I'm naming this a national TV game. There you go. Is that okay? Is that okay with you guys? Yeah, I like I'll, it. I'll, I'll have to give a call to the higher-ups, but <laughs> um, just some other notes from that year. The yeah. Buffs went 9-2 uh, and two for the rest of the season, undefeated in conference play. Got themselves a ticket to the Orange Bowl and unfortunately lost to LSU. Well, you know what? Still a good year. I like that, though. Nice uh, this day in history. Good way to start things off. And uh, as I said, in such a strange season, look, some college football teams have played seven games up to this point. And CU, I was worried for a long time. We weren't going to have football, but... I tell you what, I'm just so excited. I can't remember the last time I was this excited about the Buffs starting the season, and it's not necessarily because of expectations, even though we do have good expectations about this team. It's because for a long time, we were so unsure. We didn't know what was going to happen, but it's finally here. And actually, before we get into the actual preview of uh, this week's game, i got a couple stats to go over, some interesting stats. Stat boy over Stat here. Stat boy, all right. So, first of all, this is this. take this one as you will, because it's been a long time since Colorado had zero starts by a quarterback on their roster, the first time that's happened since 2007, only four players on the Buffs roster have even attempted a pass in a game. Of course, Sam Neuer, uh, Tyler Lytle, also Katie Nixon, and uh, transfer tight end Matt Lynch. Neuer, 21-41, 179, no touchdowns, two picks. 
Uh, Lytle, four for six for 55 yards. No touchdowns, one pick. The one uh, touchdown coming on the team, Katie Nixon. I was I was wondering if that was – I was like, I remember his touchdown exactly. pass uh, last year, I think, or maybe two years ago. Yeah, one of one for 38 yards. I believe that's a perfect quarterback rating. Not exactly sure. He threw it uh, to Dimitri Stanley against Arizona. That was last year. Yeah. yeah and then uh, Lynch, the UCLA transfer, he, he he's having some secrets, right? He's telling us some secrets, some of Chip's secrets. Uh, two of three for 11 yards. So uh, yesterday on, the, uh, on another show that uh, Ryan and I do called College Football Weekly, we were calling Chip Kelly uh, Chip Smelly. What do you think about that this week? Yeah, I think that's fitting. He, yeah, I think so, yeah, too. It just, it, just, it just seems like his air stinks, you know, <laughs> anywhere so. he goes. I think it's especially going to after he's kicked out of Boulder with a loss this weekend. Uh, another big stat, Colorado is 81-44-5 in their uh, 130 season openers. At home, 53-20-1 in season openers. In the last 14 season openers, the Buffs are 42 of 46 in the red zone. That's 91.3%, 28 touchdowns, 14 field goals. We're going to need some of that coming up this weekend. And CU has won 28 of its last 30 openers when scoring first. So some good stats there for the Buffs. And of course, we can't start the preview without giving the Ralphie update. The Pac-12, of course, not allowing uh, animals or live mascots on the sideline this season because they were deemed non-essential personnel. Give me a break, Pac-12. Ralphie's essential. But it became a moot point because CU, you know, they're under Ralphie 6. And they didn't have a Buffalo ready to go this year. They're still trying it out, training new Buffalo, seeing who it's going to be. So kind of worked out for the Buffs that the Pac-12 said, no mascots this year. So uh, we're still... You know, we're still running through the depth chart, running through the roster, seeing who uh, Ralphie Five is going to be. But yeah, that's disappointing. I, I was not aware of that. I yeah. mean, that's there's okay. I can live with no fans in the stands, but even at home, getting a chance to watch Ralphie run out. I mean, there's just a certain something about that. So may, maybe they'll 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 line up Chip, run Chip out. Is that what we're going to get? Uh, that'd be cool. Um, they, they've done that before when they don't have Ralphie. So Ralphie's non-essential personnel, but Chip is. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. Obviously, <laughs> there's one big problem with that, and the fact that Chip's a person, <laughs> right? Chip can actually get COVID. Uh, yeah, but that's going to be disappointing, not just for us Buffs fans. I think people all over the country they they like that intro. It's one of the more talked about ones, and of course, you know, we we love starting the game off with a Ralphie. But uh, yeah, had to start off with those couple of notes here. But uh, let's get into it. Colorado hosting UCLA this Saturday. 5 o'clock, Folsom Field. And as I said, you know, for those who've been listening to the earlier shows, we're going to go through pretty much position by position, break these guys down, let you know what we think of both the buffs and how they match up with their counterparts uh, coming up this weekend. So let's start off where I think we should start, the Colorado defense, because I believe there's more certainty on the defense. There's a lot more that we can be sure about on the defense. A lot of defensive coaches coming back from last year. And frankly, the roster looking pretty solid right now. Couple question marks, which we'll get into. But let's 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 recap the linebackers. I know we did the linebackers last show, but that's going to be a, a main point for the Bronco or for <laughs> the Bron. We were talking some Broncos for the show. Tyler, uh, Tyler, know, Tyler right? for, for the Buffs. Um, Nate Landman, Akil Jones, Guy Thomas, Carson Wells, all four uh, of the starters this year for the Buffs. And I think Nate Landman is going to be a huge part in this game, stopping the run. Because remember, last year, UCLA ran all over the Buffs. I mean, that was the one thing 
coming into last year's game is UCLA, bad offensive line, and they did what they wanted to on the ground. So it's not just the D-line, which we'll get into. It's these linebackers. Nate Landman, the one guy who has to have a big game, I think. And especially when you go against a guy like uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, quarterback for uh, the Bruins, he's a true dual-threat guy, and he's a guy that you have to watch out for him running the ball, and I think Nate Landman's a guy that can really control that sideline-to-sideline speed that we've seen in the past. That is how you stop a guy like that. That's how you stop this Chip Kelly offense. And this is going to be a big season for Akil Jones. Obviously, I mean, he, what, fifth in the, fifth in the, uh, uh, in the team in tackles last year, uh, three tackles for loss. I'm not sure if he got uh, any sacks, but he's going to play a big part on this defense and finally being asked to be one of the leaders. I think he's more than capable of stepping into that role. And Nate Lamb and Akil Jones, I don't have many question marks about these guys. You know, I think they're going to be just fine. And when I talk about certainty on defense, those are the type of players I'm talking about. But then we get into Guy Thomas, Carson Wells. You know, Carson Wells did get on the field a little bit last, uh, a little bit last year, but they're going to have to show they can come off the outside. Be uh, uh, whether they're covering tight ends, whether it goes to the buff back, they're going to have to be athletic and show their athleticism. Now, I, I expect to see a lot of outside rushes with them, but still, th- th- those two guys I'm going to keep my eye on, especially early in the game. Is Chip Kelly trying to pick on them? Are they trying to go up the middle with their tight end against them? Guy Thomas, Carson Wells going to have some big shoes to fill this year for the Buffs. And Tyler, you mentioned the, the pass rush from the outside, from the edge, and that's something that I think that the Buffs have really been missing, and that's an element of this defense that's been missing the last couple of years. They've had great interior pass rush. You've not seen it from the edge, but I think you're going to see that more over the course of the season than you will in this first opening game because, again, I think they're truly afraid. Let me rephrase it. Let's not say afraid. (laughs) They are are, are truly going to be game planning against the run, against the running on the edge, and you cannot over-pursue. If you're just going after the quarterback all game long, then you're going to have a problem being able to stop that outside run, that that, that zone zone read, the tackle play. So I'm, I'm curious to see. I think Carson Wells is a guy that really that fits more into his game uh, you know everything I've seen and heard about Guy Thomas is he's a speed guy I want to see how right. he holds up right. against the run in this game all right now let's talk buff back talk about shoes to fill Davion Taylor last year was electric for the buffs I mean he was all over the field second on the team in tackles eight tackles behind the line of scrimmage was tied for Nate Landman I mean I, I think that we got really comfortable seeing him back there and seeing Davion Taylor make play after play but Chris Miller stepping in. You talk about an athlete who can also finish, you know, tackle, cover. I think he can do it all. That's why he's playing the buff back position. I'm excited to see Chris Miller, and he's going to have, again, big shoes to fill, especially this game. And we'll get into the specific matchups coming up, but man, I can't wait to see Chris Miller on the field. Yeah, and I think the versatility is what really intrigues this coaching staff with Chris Miller and why you're going to see him in that that buff back role versus where last year he was a, an outside cornerback for them where I think you know you right. isolate a guy but sure yeah he can take a guy out of the game but the impact that he can have a game have in the game as the buff back you're lining up in the box you're lining up deep you're lining up on the outside you can do so many different things and I think he's a very versatile guy he's a great tackler and I think that's something that's going to be really good for the bus to have more of an athlete. Not, to, not that David Teller wasn't an athlete, but right, now right. you're getting a true defensive back in that role, and I think it opens up what you can do in that role. No, that's so true. Uh, Davion Taylor's playing linebacker in the NFL, yeah, right? Yeah, he's actually playing like an, an outside linebacker, weak side linebacker role for, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yep, the Eagles. Okay. Yeah, and, and so, you know, that that's going to be a big difference, and I think we're going to see that really matter this game. And, and again, we talk about CU's defense. We're going to reference uh, UCLA's offense, because 
Well, guess what? They're going to be on the field at the same time. And what? before we get to CU's D-line or anything like that, Jared, you mentioned Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the quarterback for UCLA's offense. Now, last year, the best year of his career at UCLA, that's how we expect it to go. You know, the more you play, the, the better you're going to get. He threw for 2,700 yards last year, 21 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. But here's the thing. Dorian Thompson-Robinson struggles when he's pressured. Okay, Without pressure, Thompson-Robinson completes around 60% of his passes. Pretty efficient. But when he faces pressure... 45%. His pass his pass accuracy drops about 15%. He is not very good when he's uncomfortable in the pocket. So that's going to be big for these outside linebackers. It's going to be big for uh, Chris Miller to get that pressure, to, to force him into uncomfortable situations out of the pocket and to throw when he's pressured. Now, keeping that in mind, last year, again, 2019, Chip Kelly called 42 designed runs for Dorian Thompson-Robinson. In those 42 runs, he gained 102 yards, okay? There were 45 scrambles, however, where he gained 403 yards. So Dorian Thompson-Robinson, far more effective on the ground when it's actually not a designed running play. So that's what the buffs have to be careful of. They always have to have a spy on him. Make sure once you get him out of the pocket that he's throwing the football. That's imperative in the buffs uh, being successful this weekend. So you think Chris Miller's that guy then? You think that that they use the star back in that role? Or is that maybe uh, uh, Nate Landman? Well, I mean, I'm not so whoever it is, because the Buffs are going to bring bring pressure from all over the field, hopefully give different looks, try and confuse Dorian Thompson-Robinson, because if there's one thing you can do to this guy, it's confusing before the snap. So I expect pressure to come everywhere, but hopefully the Buffs don't have to bring too many linebackers and don't have to bring Chris Miller. Hopefully they can get the job done with their D-line. Let's get to the D-line right now. Jalen Sammy, Terrence Lang, Mustafa Johnson. I mean, can you get more solid in three guys coming back who we feel good about? At least I feel good about. I want to speak for you guys, but when I see those three names, of course, the Buffs are going to run a 3-4 this year. Jalen Sammy up front, the big nose tackle, the dude in the middle, right? The buffet buster. His job is to take up those linemen, and I think he's going to do a great job occupying the O-line. Terrence Lang, Mustafa Johnson. So, you know, you talk about, again, the defense, how you feel, how we're comfortable with it. A lot of guys coming back. Those three are a perfect example. I feel great about that, and hopefully, you know, look, a three-man rush, probably not going to be enough to consistently get to the quarterback, but if they do enough themselves, it's going to make it a lot easier on everyone behind them. And not just those three guys. I mean, yeah, that's a solid trio that you have there. But the depth behind them is what makes me so excited about this D-line. You keep those guys fresh. How do you counter a, a Chip Kelly offense? We know you know, over the years what Chip Kelly likes to do. He likes to run the ball. He likes to yep. run a lot of plays. I think they, they typically get into the 80s and 90s as far as number of plays in a game. That's huge. Most games, you, you a defense faces uh, you know, 60, 70 plays at most. So when you're adding an extra 20 plays in there, having those you can go really four, five, even six deep in that D-line trio, and I think that allows those guys like Mustafa Johnson to be fresh at the end of the game. And Tyler gave me a look like I thought maybe I said Mufasa. I always <laughs> want to do that. I always want to go there. So I, he's, I, he's wise <laughs> like Mufasa. Yes. I know that much. Yes. But I really think that's what's going to help the bus. And, I, and, and just to your point on Dorian Thompson-Robinson, getting that pressure on him, I think if you can get that interior pressure on him, force him to you know have to make decisions quickly, that, I think that's a huge factor in this game. Well, Is that what you were asking earlier? Who's going to spy? Yeah, Thompson? who's going to spy? Oh, okay, I thought you meant who's going to pressure. I'm not sure about that. I mean, I, I actually really like Chris Miller in that role. I think that's, I that's why you 
put a guy like that in that role because he's such a great tackler, but he has the speed to keep up with a guy like Thompson Robinson. Right. Yeah. He's he's, he's a bigger guy. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that he can keep up with those more athletic quarterbacks. I mean, I know you guys have nightmares of Khalil Tate and those types oh, of God. things. Where, don't even bring that up on the pod. Is he gone? Tate, is dude. he gone yet? By I don't the way, know. I, I, don't I, know. I, I haven't I don't even know. thought know. about this, that. This is so an I haven't done my Arizona work this year. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, something I wanted to bring up is how how um, rare it is for you to have defensive linemen that are listed like six seven and six six. <laughs> right. That is odd. Oh, they're going to have serious size. Well, well, but the, but the thing is, is especially on the D line, is is you need to make sure that you can get low, get leverage, get the push, especially playing a three four, because you got to get underneath these big guys that know where they're going already. And not necessarily a concern, but it, it just kind of jumps off the page to me. And one more thing, if you think Mustafa Johnson's 290 pounds, I think you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these uh, heights and weights as of July 1st, 2020, I don't know if they hey, were... When, when uh, he trims down for the combine, he'll be around <laughs> 290, okay. <laughs> but no, Ryan's exactly right. I mean, you talk about size, CU's going to have a big defensive line. But again, to, well, big defense, and we'll get to the secondary here in a second. But you look at the backups, the, the people Jared was just referring to, because look, Terrence Lang, Jalen Sammy, Mustafa Johnson, great starting three, but that D-line's going to be rotating pretty constantly throughout the game. Uh, let's talk about some of these backups. Justin Jackson, uh, junior defensive end, and uh, Jeremiah Doss, senior uh, defensive tackle. You know, I think both these guys are going to have a big part in it. Now, you, you start to get to the backups for nose tackle that get a little bit younger and maybe a little bit more inexperienced, but... You know, I truly believe that when when you see Justin Jackson, when you see Jeremiah Doss, even if Lloyd Murray, the freshman, gets it in there, it's not a cause for concern. As long as they can do what they're supposed to, like I mentioned earlier, eat up those blocks, really occupy those offensive linemen, I think it's going to be just fine. And I agree, Jared. Depth is seriously, at least going into the season, something that I think is not going to be too big an issue for CU. Keep those guys healthy, keep the rotations coming, and you'll be just fine on the defensive line. And I think Jalen Sammy is a perfect example of that. He's a guy that he didn't start at the beginning of last year. Some injuries came up throughout the season. He got his his chance. He got his looks early on. He proved he earned that spot. By the end of the year, he was a starter for them as a freshman. Right. So I, I think that's huge to see these guys get experience early in the season and be a, a, a very productive player within that roster. Uh, let's talk uh, backups for uh, the linebacker position. Jonathan Van Deest, right? He get, I mean, it's funny. Some of these guys are like, wait, sophomore, junior? Now Van Deest is a junior, but I feel like he's been around for a long time. Right? I've been hearing that I'm, name for a while. I'm thinking he's a fifth-year guy. <laughs> exactly. He also went to Cherry Creek. That may be why you're... Oh, okay. okay. That, that may be why you're... Uh, I, I love these local guys. Yeah, who exactly. Who Pri Pride of Cherry Creek. Exactly, and they produce it to CU. And then I'm excited to see Marvin Ham II, right? Freshman inside linebacker. He's going to get on the field a little bit, or at least I'm I'm, I'm guessing he's going to get on the field. He's going to be exciting. And he was one of the, the prize recruits recruits from Mel Tucker's uh you know first class that he had coming in and and he's you know he's a red shirt now so yeah. he, he got just a little bit of experience on the field last year but he was a big time recruit coming in and so I'm curious to see again I think it's a guy that I think he forces his way onto the field for this team and uh, Jamar Montgomery backing up Guy Thomas right now at least according to the uh, latest depth chart on cubuffs.com all right let's get to the secondary because UCLA, we know they're going to want to run the football. At least that's what they're going to try and do. But 
that's what UCLA has the most guys coming back at receiver, and they obviously have chemistry. Um, their receivers have experience, and Dorian Thompson Robinson did throw for 2,700 yards last year, 21 touchdowns, as I mentioned earlier, and 12 picks. So it's not like they don't throw the football at all. Uh, but I love CU's uh, uh, secondary, and you talk about size. I mean, Ryan mentioned the D the uh, D line, how how tall they are, that so much size. I see that with these cornerbacks. I mean, we got uh, Christian Gonzalez, who we'll talk about, freshman, 6'2". Makai Blackman, another name who I feel like I've heard for a long time as a junior, 6'170". Mark Perry, who we mentioned, 6'2", 200. And then Darian uh, Darian Rakestraw, 6'2", 200. This is a big secondary. Typically, you don't get this. I mean, I would be willing to say CU has probably one of the the bigger, more physical secondaries in the entire Pac-12, if not the the, the country right now. And if you look at the trend over the last couple of years for the Buffs, it, it's a lot of strategy in that. A lot of these guys are you know e- were either athletes coming out of high school that played both sides of the ball or were converted wide receivers. You look at Tariq Luckett was a converted wide receiver. You know, KJ Trujillo came in as an athlete. A lot of people thought he'd play right. at, at at safety. He he got some look at, at corner last year. They're moving him over to safety this year with the being a little thin in that position but Christian Gonzalez can we just can we just take a moment to talk about this kid I'm so excited to see him on the field starting as a true freshman right that is something that you just don't see a lot not to mention in a year where you had no spring ball you had no off-season workouts. You had a very limited fall camp. For this kid to earn his spot right off the bat in a deep group, I'm excited to see what he does on the field this week. Well, and UCLA has four pretty electric receivers. Now, it's 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 uh, we should bring up Theo Howard, their best receiver, transferred. And it was a late transfer, so they didn't really expect that. But still, UCLA's got talent on the outside. They're very fast on the outside. So he's going to have his hands full. Game one... I wouldn't be surprised if Chip Kelly, excuse me, Chip Smelly targets Christian Gonzalez from the get-go. I mean, we've seen that time in and time out. Uh, Michigan, great example last weekend against uh, Mel Tucker's Michigan State. I didn't want to bring that up, but I loved watching him lose to Rutgers. It was so beautiful. Then he goes and beats Michigan. It's like, come on, man. Can we just start doing it? He who shall not be named. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. From now I love on. That. From now on. That's a cursed name right there. But their their game plan was to attack Michigan's young secondary, and guess what? It worked out. Flag after flag, completion after completion. Now, I believe that Carl Durrell and the staff is going to do what they can to help Gonzalez out, shade to his side, but still, it would not surprise me at all if we see several passes in the first quarter, first half, going to that side of the field. So he's going to prove to us really quick. Is he ready to go? Can he handle it? And again, 6'2", 200, you talk about sides on the outside. I guess my one question with him, because we haven't seen him yet, would be the speed. Right? Can he keep up with some of these guys? Yeah, so, I mean, just... Given with the COVID restrictions, like the no training camp, everything, the fact that he's a true freshman really goes to show what these coaches really think about him. So. The only true freshman starting for the Buffs on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and it, like you said, Jared, I'm excited to see what he can do, and uh, we're going to be watching him from the get-go. He is number 21, for those wondering. And I want to talk about KJ Trujillo, because he's right now listed as the backup strong safety but he was very good last year for the Buffs. I mean, someone who you could rely on. Now he didn't get that much time, you know, 18 tackles, 13 on the team in total tackles. But, I, you know, I feel comfortable with him. I feel good when I see him on the field. And so I feel like they're going to work him in. We're probably not going to see base sets all the time, right? Three, four every time, every play, especially against UCLA. So if there is one of these extra secondary guys coming in, don't you think it's probably going to be KJ Trujillo in that spot? 
And I think that even goes back to the buff back, being more of a defensive back role. I think that just it tells you what the direction that Carl Durrell wants to go with this defense and and, and, and his imprint and, and Tyson Summers giving a little bit more of his imprint now with he who shall not be named having moved on. Um, I think you're going to see they want to get these defensive backs on the field. And I think the fact that KJ Trujillo has been moved from cornerback to safety on the depth chart just tells you how comfortable they feel with the other guys they have at corner that they want to find ways to get these guys on the field and that to your point is the best way for him to get on the field you're going to see three four safety sets i think throughout the, this season and i know i mentioned a darian rakestraw fifth year senior i mean he's got to be the leader of the defense if not one of the leaders of the defense certainly of the secondary he was uh second in the uh buffs last year in interceptions he had three picks he had uh, 43 total tackles three behind the line of scrimmage so you know he occasionally got behind the line but I feel, again, it's the theme with the defense. If you feel comfortable, you feel like Chip Smelly's not going to be able to do that many things, at least what he wants to. And uh, this secondary, they're going to be ready to go. Yeah, you keep talking about the guys, and it seems like they've been here forever. And then you yeah. just said fifth-year senior for Darren Rexton. I'm like, no, 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 you must have read that wrong. Am I crazy? It just seems like he just barely has, has, has kind of hit his stride finally for this team. So I think you're, you're really going to see an explosive year from him this year. But CU has kind of turned into secondary you. I mean, look how good their cornerbacks and safeties have been the last couple of years. It's hard to get on the field if you're an underclassman for the for the buffs, at least the last couple of years. And I would say, you know, some may say that it's been a, a luxury, don't get used to it. I'm like, no, they get used to it. You know, in, in a conference where teams don't necessarily stress stopping the pass, at least it seems like it. Remember, 10 teams in the Pac-12 uh, excuse me, or was it 10 or 8? It, it was either 8 or 10 teams in the Pac-12 finishing the bottom 10 of the overall defensive rankings last year. I mean, this was a terrible conference in terms of overall defense last year, the majority of that coming through the air. So, honestly, I take pride in that as a Buffs fan, and I want to keep that going. They've been so good in the secondary lately, you understand why Darian Rakestraw may not got, have uh, gotten worked in as much. With the buff back or star back it's listed as outside linebacker safety hybrid i think there should be another slash with cornerback right. or just be defensive back because that that's that's what we're looking at especially in the pac 12 because you're not looking and and just like you were talking about with um, trujillo is i think he might take some of not those reps but be almost an additional one Exactly, be, 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 because he, he's small. He's he's a little bit smaller. Maybe may able to cover those uh, those inside slots if they come out four wide, something like that. And, and and you're exactly right. And I think the Buffs do take pride in that, in the fact that they do have the Stallions to be there. And I look at it, for those uh, familiar that follow the NFL, I, I see that role very similar to what uh, Tyron Matthew, he, he went to LSU, he's played for many teams, right now he's playing for the Chiefs, he's a star in the league. That's the kind of role I'm envisioning for Chris Miller, for KJ Trujillo, a guy that is all over the field, but probably at his best, like Ryan said, covering a guy in the slot where he can do all sorts of different things, make a tackle, and the, the probably the most dangerous receiver, in my mind at least, for the Bruins is sophomore Kyle Phillips. He set a school record for freshmen for catches right. in the year last year with 60. So it's a guy I, I think they're going to want to shut that guy down. I think somebody like Chris Miller, KJ, KJ Trujillo, even Mark Perry may be involved in doing that. This is going to have to be an effort front to back for the buffs. I mean, UCLA is going to come out in that spread offense. They're going to try and spread CU out and see what these guys can do in space. So expect to see that. Now, let's talk about what we think Chip Smelly is going to do this weekend, how he's going to come out and, and, and present his offense to the Buffs. 
as I've just mentioned, expect to see a lot of four receiver sets. You know, they're not going to come out in many dual tight end sets, right? They're going to spread the field out, but there are they are going to throw in the middle of the field. I honestly think that their uh, their uh, tight end. Let's see here. I've got Jordan Wilson. That's going to be a big deal for the Buffs because last year, Torian Thompson-Robinson proved he loves throwing on those tight ends. That is a must-stop for the Buffs. They've got to shut that down in the middle of the field. Last year, 2019, uh, Devin Asiasi for UCLA had four catches for 45 yards and a touchdown against CU, and that was in a game where UCLA was kind of running all over the Buffs. And so they love throwing to their tight ends. Again, Jordan Wilson this year for UCLA, he's a senior, he has experience, and that's going to be big. Whoever has that responsibility, whether it's the buff back, a linebacker, whoever it is, that's going to be key. A safety, that's going to be key for CU. Shut down that tight end. We talk a lot about them spreading out the offense, these uh, receivers, but that guy, Jordan Wilson, in the middle of the field, it's going to be huge for the buffs to stop. UCLA, like I said, ran all over CU last year. It was 31-14. I expect to see a much different game. If anything, maybe lower scoring, right? I think both offenses... Here's the thing. I think that CU's defense is going to have success, and CU's defense is probably going to set the tone for this whole game. And of course, we'll get to CU's offense in a sec, but Sam Neuer, new quarterback, a few question marks on offense, new running backs. This could be a lower scoring game, so don't expect to see exactly what you did last year. And, you know, again, it was a small, co- it's a small cause for concern because. Last year, UCLA's defensive or offensive line, not very good. Everyone talked about, oh boy, one of the worst in the Pac-12, and they still did that to the Buffs. Don't think for a second that because CU has a new coach, they forgot about all that. They remember it. This is a revenge game for the Buffs, and uh, man, I'm excited to see what the defense can do against UCLA's offense. All right, let's get over to the Colorado Buffaloes offense. Sam Neuer, Neuer the Destroyer, as we call him on this show, named starting quarterback. I want to get your guys' thoughts. It was either between Sam Neuer, Tyler Lytle, and then earlier in the process, Brendan Lewis. I think Brendan Lewis, the freshman, quickly got weeded out, and this became a two-quarterback race. Sam Neuer gets the nod. What do you think? I'm shocked. I, I won't lie. I I mean, you and I on one of our earlier shows we did, uh, you know, before really before everything kind of kicked back and, and where we were back into training camp and everything, and, and we we had this as a, as a two horse race. We we were thinking it was Tyler Lider or or it would be the freshman Brendan Lewis, and so I mean. The previous coaching staff thought so highly of Sam Neuer, they asked him to move to safety. And, and, I, and I understand that they were thin at safety last year, and I don't, I don't think that's a knock on Sam Neuer. I think that tells you the kind of athlete that he is, that he he's a team guy. I think those are all probably factors that played into their decision-making. I, I think this kind of does go back to some of the things, Tyler, we've talked about in previous shows, that I think it's the safe move to make versus going to a guy like Brendan Lewis or, or even Tyler Lytle that's a little more of an unknown. I think you know you got a leader. I think you know you have a guy that your team believes in and and will fight for. And I think it's a safe play to put a senior in there, the guy that's been around a lot. He's not got a ton of snaps, but he's been around this team for a long time. This coaching staff, he understands the offense. It just feels a little safe for me. I'm going to tell you why this is a great move, okay? The previous coaching staff didn't move him to safety because he wasn't a good quarterback. They moved him to safety because this dude's athletic. He can move. He can run. He's going to give the buffs an element of offense that we haven't had in a long time. And let's face it, whether it's Cephal Lufau or Steven Montez, Steven Montez, uh, his scrambling and his athleticism was overrated. The dude did not look comfortable when he ended up running. And you could say that's because he took a lot of hits or whatever it was. 
I was not comfortable when Steven Montez scrambled. I'm going to feel a lot better when they call these quarterback runs or whether it's a scramble with uh, with with Neuer. Like, Sam Neuer is quick. He's athletic. I think that that was nothing to do with his quarterback ability and everything to do with him being an athlete. And honestly, the statistics say so. Before, well, going to last year, even with the old coaching staff, if you look at the total passes attempted and completed, Tyler Lytle threw the ball six times in a game coming into this year. Neuer threw the ball 41 times, 21 of 41, 179 yards. So honestly, if you ask me, the old coaching staff, they trusted Neuer over uh, Lytle with the ball. They trusted him at quarterback. They just moved him to safety because they were thin there, and he fit the bill perfectly because he is willing to do, like you said, what the team asks. He doesn't mind getting physical, which I love. If you're going to run the football, <laughs> Steven Montez was... Look, I loved Montez, right? For a long time, we... we, we I think... Uh, he had a, a bad rep in the Pac-12. I think he was a good quarterback, but I got nervous when he ran the ball. I mean, he didn't look comfortable. He was afraid to get hit. That is something you're not going to see from He took Lawyer. a lot of hits. He didn't dish out a lot of hits. Exactly, man. So I think this is a very good thing. Sam, Sam Neuer is going to prove a lot of people wrong, and I can't wait to see what the Buffs have in store. That's the one thing with this offense. We don't know what we're going to see. No one knows what we're going to see. I think it's hysterical. Uh, the uh, website, ourlads.com, O-U-R-L-A-D-S.com, they have uh, depth charts and team information for pretty much every college football team. Pretty good website. You know what they have listed for CU's offensive style? Blank. <laughs> they don't know what it's going to be because we don't know what it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a benefit both for the actual preparation for this game. Chip Smelly has no idea what to prepare for. And I think we see a lot more athleticism out of Sam Neuer than we've seen in a long time from our quarterback. So, Jared, I'm going to say it's a good thing. I'm excited to see what he does at quarterback. And I think that he deserved to win the battle. I know we talked about it a couple shows ago. I know we thought it was either going to be uh, Lytle or even the freshman Brennan Lewis. It doesn't surprise me, though, with the lack of preparation, lack of practices that they move on from the freshmen. I can't wait to see what Neuer does. And I think he lives up to his nickname, Neuer the Destroyer, very quickly. Yeah, I think that's going to have to stick this year. I think we need to get out there on social media. Let, let's talk to the producers <laughs> here. Come on, let's get this out there. Neuer the, Destro the Destroyer. We're starting it. Yeah, so I, I totally agree with you. Um, Neuer, you know, he's stuck with the program. He's a, he's a senior. Yep. He's done whatever he's asked asked to do and i think he's just chomping at the bit and I, i'm i'm excited to see what what he has to bring absolutely and again when they moved him to safety it's not like they were given lytle all these reps and the dude threw the ball 41 times compared to lytle six so i think that any coaching staff has sees you know they want him out there and i can't wait to see what he does now let's talk about who he's going to be throwing to because on defense we mentioned these guys coming back the comfortability how we feel good about it I've got the same feeling with our receivers, specifically K.D. Nixon and Dimitri Stanley. By the way, K.D. Nixon could make his way up to the top 10 this year in terms of overall receiving yards for the Buffs. Currently, he's 24th. He's got 1,128 receiving yards. If we project maybe 900 or so yards this year, which that's not unfathomable with, with seven games, he would make his way up around top 10. Now, do you guys want to guess who the uh, number one overall receiver is in terms of CU's receiving yards? Scott, who has the record? Scotty McKnight. Now, Scotty McKnight is fifth. Good guess. Nelson Spruce. Nelson Spruce is correct. I wouldn't have gotten there without Scotty McKnight. You say McKnight, and it was him and Nelson Spruce are the two. They're, they're hand in hand. They're the same guy. No, exactly. <laughs> but honestly, and, and it's funny when you look at stats because, you know, watching the games and, and, and being fans for so long, you wouldn't know how much out in first place he is. Nelson Spruce, 3,300 receiving yards. 
Number two, Shea Fields with 2,552. Nelson Spruce has almost 800 more yards than the next receiver. Well, and you think even going all the way back to the Cordell Stewart days, I mean, this was a running offense. So you're really looking at a team from what, like 98 on? That that I, I would imagine there's not too many guys in there post-1990 or, or pre-1998 on that list. I think you're, you're pretty much seeing the, the new age of what the Buffs have become. Well... Yeah, for the most part, you're you're exactly right. Now, number three is Michael Westbrook. I was just okay. about to say that. Yep. Okay. Yep. Number three, Michael Westbrook. Uh, number four, Ray Carruth, uh, ninety-two to ninety-six for I the Bucks. I stand corrected. Ryan said Scotty McKnight, uh, sixth. Uh, Charles Johnson, two thousand four hundred forty-seven. God, those were some talented teams, right. man. Paul Richardson, seven. Phil uh, Savoy, eight. Derek McCoy, nine. And Javon Green, ten. Guess who's eleven? You got he uh, he's in the NFL right now for the. Uh, Jags. LaVisca. Oh. Visca, baby. Number uh, 11 on the list. He has looked great so far this year. I really love yeah, to has. see the way the Jags are utilizing him. I was a little afraid when he went to Jacksonville. I didn't know if they'd utilize his skill set, but he's lining up as a running back. He's lining up as a tight end. They got him all over the field. I love it. Just to yeah. keep... Yeah, go ahead, Ryan. So, sorry. Yeah, I mean, the, the last couple of years that Visca was here, though, man, it, it, it was 90% of our offense, and he just got beat. And I think the time that he got to sit out is really benefiting him right now. And the fact that he didn't come back is it huge, drew, too. It, it drove me crazy how much that coaching staff leaned on him. It's like, oh, my God, you guys, first of all, no wonder he keeps getting hurt. Yeah. Like, he's doing everything. It's every single play he's touching the football. But Well, and when you had such a talent in Katie Nixon on the opposite side, people forget Katie Nixon was the bigger of the recruits. When when that, you know when they were juniors in, in high school, Katie Nixon was the big name that the Buffs got. Yep. And then, oh, yeah, they also got LaVisca Chanel along with him. His teammate from high school. So I really am excited about what Katie Nixon can do as the feature player in that receiving core this year because I think they will. I mean, you saw Darren Cheverini a couple years ago as an offensive coordinator. He was kind of the start in really getting uh, LaVisca Chenault as the guy there. But I think you see a different approach from Cheverini this year. I think he's going to spread it out a little bit more. I think you see more of a running game. But I do think Katie Nixon is going to have a lot of packages built to get the ball in his hands. That's where he's best. Get the ball in his hands in space, and he can make some big-time plays. I think 900 yards is in the <laughs> in the, his field this oh, year. I think a couple multi-hundred you know, multi yards is in, his, uh, in the future. 200, 300, well. Let's not get crazy here, but he's going to have a big season for sure for the Buffs. Just to finish off this list, at least the top 25 for overall receivers for the Buffs. Uh, number 13, Devin Ross. Oh, do we do 12? 12 is Bryce Bobo. Uh, uh, 13, Devin Ross. 13, uh, tied for 13th, actually, Daniel Graham. Uh, 15th, Monty Huber. 16, Dusty Sprague. 17th, Mike Pritchard. Uh, 18th, Marcus uh, Stiggers. Uh, 19, Ron Brown. 20, Darren Shiverini. 21, DJ Hackett. 22, uh, uh, Tony Clemens. 23, John Embry. 24, our boy, Katie Nixon. And uh, 25, Loy Alexander. So he's right there, man. A couple good games, a couple big games. He's going to be skyrocketing up that list. As you go through those names, I just have like memories of childhood just know, flowing right? through my head. Like So many guys that I totally forgot about that are just that they were so good for the buffs like bobo 100% dj hackett and like, i can't and i i think that again this could be an underrated at least right now going into the season 
We all think that CU's going to rely on Alex Fontenot, who's hurt. We'll get there in a little bit. This running game, you know, a couple of offensive linemen coming back on the left side of the line. But this is a chance, I think, for Sam Neuer to air the ball out and for CU to throw the ball this year. And I think that some of these guys are going to surprise a lot of people from the receiver position. I think it'd be very smart of Darren Cheverini as the play caller on this offense to to come out and, and open it up, spread them out. Oh, because for sure, yes. I, I don't think that Chip Kelly's expecting that at all. And I think Chip that's smelly. a way that you can jump on them early and Tyler you listed a stat earlier about how successful the Buffs have been in season openers when they score first and I think that's huge to get out there I wouldn't be surprised to see this team take the ball if they win the win the, the coin toss you take the ball you go down and you score and I think you get that kind of momentum moving in your favor on the offense to repeat that stat CU has won 28 of the last 30 home openers they've scored first other receivers besides Katie Nick. Well, we didn't really talk much about Dimitri Stanley, but again, another good guy on the outside, quick, athletic, runs very good routes. You know, him combined with uh, Katie Nixon. They're going to be just fine. And when you look at some of the uh, you know reserve receivers, and that's where we're going to get to next. They're big guys, and right. so I wouldn't be surprised to see Dimitri Stanley continuing to line up in the slot, which is where he mostly performed last year for the Buffs. He's a guy. He stands at five foot eleven, 185 pounds. He's shifty. He's quick. He's good with the ball in his hands. They like to do sweeps, things like that with him. So I think even though he's listed as their number two receiver, and when they're in two wide receiver sets, obviously he'll be on the outside. But I think he's a guy you see a lot in the slot for the buffs and and again to repeat we don't know really what kind of offense is going to come out in and that's a good thing for us honestly well not us specifically but that's a good thing for the buffs because chip kelly's not going to be able to plan for it don't really know no one knows so let's go more in depth with some of these receivers the number two listed on uh, each receiver spot jalen jackson and maurice bell now before we get to this big size you were talking about I'm interested to see these guys, right? Jalen Jackson, uh, 5'10 junior, so again, maybe not uh, the most experienced, but he is a junior. And then Maurice Bell, again, a junior, 6'180". Hopefully these guys get going quickly, and I think if we do see four receiver sets, that they're going to be producing immediately in the middle of the field. And often... When you got a new quarterback, you're not going to you know, be seeing these throws from one hash to the other side of the field on out routes, things like that. I expect to see a lot up the middle of the field. Why? Pure speculation, right? New quarterback, new offense, pure speculation. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but if I'm not, these guys are going to play a big part in the middle of the field. So I can't wait to see what Jalen Jackson and Maurice Bell can do. Now, moving on to the my, my favorite name this year for the Buffs. Last year it was uh, Mustafa Johnson, right? This year, Montana Lamonius Craig. I can't wait to see what Montana Lamonius Craig can do. He is a freshman, but the dude's 6'2", 185, and if you need someone to go to in the red zone, he could be a good option. You going? You got someone to say? Right? You, you think that that whole name? <laughs> Are you just smiling about that one? No, it, it just sounds like uh, a name from that Key and Peele sketch, doesn't it? Montana <laughs> Lamonius Craig. I love it. Lo- I can't wait to see this. You, you think that whole name fits on the the nameplate there? They got to do like the shrunken down letters, like, to like make the sure curve, all- <laughs> uh, curves on the back. <laughs> and then uh, Keith Miller again. Not sure if we're going to see much of these guys, but it's worth mentioning. Keith Miller is six five. Okay, another true freshman. Uh, I love this size, and I love where CU's going in the future. More red zone threats, more guys you can throw to who are a little bit bigger. So in terms of receiver, obviously at the top of the list, Katie Nixon, Dimitri Stanley, but we're going to see what Jalen Jackson, Maurice Bell, Montana Lamonius Craig, Chris Carpenter, Keith Miller, they can all do. By the way, uh, Lamonius Craig, 
uh, Keith Miller and Chris Carpenter all freshmen. And one freshman you didn't mention who actually, in my mind, was the biggest recruit of them all, uh, Brendan Rice. He's yeah. a guy that comes in. I think he, he he may or may not see a ton of time on the field. I mean, you just went through that list, and they're I know. <laughs> so deep at wide receiver. It's hard to say who you're going to see out of this, this freshman group, but he's one that I'm really excited about. There was a, a period of time he was an early recruit, and then it seemed like he, he may end up not coming to the bus. He stuck with the bus, stuck through the process. I'm curious to see what he looks like He's another big guy, 6'3", 205. They're huge. And I think that this is where CU needs to take advantage of UCLA because, look, if you break down the Bruins in terms of their line, linebackers, and secondary, I have more questions, and I think Bruins fans have more questions in the secondary than anything. They gave up over 300 yards a game through the air last year. I mean, this is a secondary that... Is not good at all. I mean, I know they have a little bit of experience coming back, but this is where CU needs to take advantage, right? They have question marks. UCLA does. Neuer needs to make good decisions, not force anything, and I believe that CU needs to go vertical, get these guys involved. That doesn't mean exclusively, right? That doesn't mean we become a downfield offense, you're just throwing downfield, but I'd like to see several deep shots taken in the first half to get this defense a little bit back so we can open up the run. I think that's how this game is going to go. Not every game, but this game specifically. Use the pass to open up the run, get Nixon involved, get Stanley involved, use Jackson, Maurice Bell, and who we're going to talk about next, Brady Russell, underneath. Use that passing game to open up the rush. What do you think about that? Yeah, I want to see these uh, wide receivers utilized in, in different ways, too. Going back to the past couple of years, seeing how the, the Buffs utilize LaVisca Chanel, I want to see that still in this game plan. Yes, you. Let, let's be honest, guys. We don't have a LaVisca Chenault sitting on this roster. I, I don't know that there's anybody on that level. He is a freak athlete, but they still have the speed, the athleticism, and the guys that can handle that kind of workload. I think guys like Katie Nixon, guys like Demetri Stanley, Jalen Jackson should be getting sweeps, should be lined up in the backfield, should be giving me some two running back sets, different things to throw out there. You want to keep confusing them. They don't know what they're getting now. By the end of this game, I still want UCLA to not know what this buffs off offense is. But I think a lot of this does come down to Sam Neuer making good decisions. Hey, if it's third down, don't feel like you have to force the ball in there. We're okay punting the ball, flipping the field, getting that defense out there. If Sam Neuer feels like he has to make the play, this could be bad for the Buffs, right? So be patient. I, I'm sure the coaching staff's been preaching that, but a big part of getting these receivers involved is not putting them in bad situations. Now, I like airing it out. I like going deep, all that stuff we just talked about. But this all comes down to Sam Neuer making smart decisions. Now let's get to tight end because Brady Russell last year, I mean, you talk about someone who you're, you're and I keep saying this, right? You're comfortable with this guy. Good. This It's the first game of the season. Uh, what's the line on Waterboy? Last game of the season. Brent can't hold anything back now. That's how the CU has to approach the first game of the season, right? And Brady Russell's one of those guys in the middle of the field. He's big. He's got size and he can come down with the football. How many receive, uh, receptions did he have last year? Let's see here. Uh, Brady Russell, 23 catches, 221 yards, two touchdowns last year. I expect that number to go up. And now, again, for the 19th time, we don't know what this offense is going to look like, but when you have the guys on the outside 
And if Jalen Johnson and Maurice Bell can prove to be threats early in the game, that will open things up in the middle of the field for Brady Russell. I want to see all these guys get involved. Sam Neuer distribute the ball evenly to all of them. And I don't know how you guys feel about Brady Russell. I think he's underrated. Now, I know diehard CU fans, they, you know, they talk about all these guys like they're you know, all Americans. But I truly believe Brady Russell can be a lot better than 221 yards. He did everything he was asked last year. That's 9.6 yards a catch. It's not terrible, but I think he can do everything with it uh, a good tight end needs to do this year. And the offense last year really was not built to target the tight ends. I think you right. saw that a lot. But what plays Brady Russell did make were huge, key plays. Lots of third down catches. Lots of over the middle. You know, when you needed 18, 20 yards, I think he was he was huge in that aspect for the Buffs. When things were falling apart, he was a safety valve for Steven Montez to throw to. All right, let's get to the offensive line because obviously any good team, be it college football, NFL, heck, high school, peewee. Well, I don't know about peewee. It's a little different there. But you need a good offensive line. Offensive line really correlates to having a consistent team. And the buffs, there are a couple question marks here. Now let's start with the non-question marks, the left side of the line. Left tackle, William Sherman. Don't call him Sherman Williams. Um, I love this dude. I mean, he's big. He's got experience. I feel like... If there's going to be one position where Sam Neuer is going to need a solid guy, it's left tackle. Uh, left guard, uh, Kerry Cooch. Again, returning from last year. He started on last year's team. He's got experience. So the left side of the line, no big deal to me. I think they're going to be just fine. There's nothing Chip Smelly is going to be able to call to confuse our offensive line, at least on the left-hand side. Now let's keep moving along because this is my biggest question mark maybe on the entire team. Center, Kobe Purcell because he's replacing Tim Lynott Jr. Tim Lynott was a staple for this team for so long. I mean, that's what that's what any good team needs. It's a good center, right? That leader, the guy to lead the line. He's making calls. He's pointing linebackers out, right? I think that Colby Purcell, if he can excel and if he can do a good job filling the shoes of Tim Lynott Jr., this offensive line is going to be very good. And, and just to remind everybody, flashing back two years, uh, you know, last year, Colby Purcell started at right guard for the Buffs. Prior to that, his freshman year, he started at center for the Buffs. Right. And they felt so strongly in line not, they wanted to put him in that role to be that leader, that veteran for them. They moved Purcell over to, to guard. So it's not that he has no experience at center. Oh, no, you're right. He's, he's you're been right, here right. before. He's done that. But now you are taking on more of a leadership role. I think as a true freshman, when you're in there playing center, just don't screw up. Just snap the ball back. But he's going to be making a lot of line calls. He's going to be doing all those things. There's going to be a lot riding on his shoulders, and I'm actually really excited about this. I think he. I think there was a reason they moved him away from that role last year. I think they wanted him to focus on just playing football, and now I think they're ready to see him take that next step mentally and be the leader of this offensive line. You're exactly right. I hope I didn't misspeak there. He did start at right guard last year, but I think it's a positive. I mean, he got to play right alongside Tim Lynott Jr. He got to see how the calls were made, see how Lynott went about, about his business. And so you're right, Jared. I mean, if anything, it's exciting to get, kind of get him, uh, see him get that role, get that leadership ability, uh, you know, that role. Can he take on the, the leadership ability, right? Can he handle that? I think the answer is yes. We're going to know very quickly in this game if the answer is yes. Both running passing. He's got a lot to do with the center position, but I'm excited to see him. All right, moving along the line, right guard, Casey Roddick, and right tackle, Frank Phillip. Correct me if I'm wrong, both sophomores, right? Correct. That is correct. Okay, yeah. and this is where it's going to get interesting because the D-line for UCLA, probably the one area of their defense 
that's okay. They're bringing back everybody, two seniors, one junior. Uh, last year, I believe, let me get the stats here. Now, it was an average defensive line, and I guess the linebacker core is included in these stats as well. They were in between 50 and 70 in most stats, but UCLA was 19th in sack rate. A lot of that due to these three guys coming back. And so, you know, this line's going to have their hands full, but if you don't think, just like the uh, the freshman uh, uh, cornerback, uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name right now, uh, Gonzalez, they're going to attack him, right? Same thing with this offensive line. They're going to be going, attacking CU's right side of the line, and both these sophomores going to have their hands very full. I feel like I've said they're going to have their hands full a lot. That's because it's going to happen this game. Doesn't matter what you know what you're talking about in terms of seeing UCLA's defense. I believe that the right side of this line, those two sophomores, it's going to really, it's going to show itself. Casey Roddick, Frank Phillip, how good can they do containing? Uh, and really protecting Sam Neuer on passes and establishing the contact, getting forward on the run. You know, can see you run downfield. So yeah, it's interesting to me that they they did go with both the two new additions to this line playing next to each other, and you didn't try to get uh, one of the more experienced guys maybe moving a Kerry Cooch over to right guard. You know, they obviously like the continuity with this. I actually look at this offensive line. I see it as a strength right now for the Buffs because even though they certainly do have a couple of guys without experience, they've been really high on those guys since they were recruited. They tried, uh, you know, made attempts to get them on the field last year. I think almost sometimes to the detriment of the offensive line where they couldn't get the continuity because they kept wanting to get some of these guys some snaps right. and some playing time. And so I think that benefits them going into this year. And I really look at this as a strength of this Buffs team. I think this is as much continuity as you're going to see from the Buffs over, say, the last four or five years years with this offensive line yeah so i agree with uh, with 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 tyler here um i like the left side one one big thing i'd like to see from from will sherman this year is um he he, he tends to play really high which is is really putting yourself behind the eight ball as a left tackle when you're just coming straight up i know in a pass block situation you know it's, it's a lot about hand hand slapping and, and all that stuff but so i'd like to see the kind of work that he put in this offseason um the other the other thing that concerns me is through from left tackle to right tackle if any of these starters go down the Young. age yeah concerns the heck out of very, me. Very, very young. And for those who don't know, yeah, Ryan Ryan didn't used to play uh defensive line. Yeah, He's he could get, get some technique in there. No, huh? I love that. That's what this show yeah. that's what this show needs. You know, Ryan uh, he he used to play DN, so he knows both what it takes to beat these linemen as well as what it takes to be successful on the defensive yeah, line. Yeah, Tyler and I have more the uh the body build of like an assistant coach or something. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but no, I look, Ryan's exactly right. You look at this line and overall and this is just the right side of the line. 1 2 3 uh, well, including center, one, two, three, four freshmen. There's four sophomores. I mean, CU is young with these backups. So Tyler, let me let me put it a, a different way here. Of all five backups, so the, on the two deep chart, uh -huh. of all five backups, only one of them is an upperclassman. Yeah, yeah. So all the rest of them are freshmen or sophomores. Is, that is. That's crazy. So let's hope we don't see any big uh, injuries there. I mean, you never want to see injuries, but it's going to be impactful if one of these younger guys gets put into the game uh, in terms of that. All right. Let's get to running back. We haven't talked about running back yet, and this is going to be really interesting because Alex Fontenot, he was on the Doak Walker Award watch list. This guy contributed so much to CU's offense last year. He was first in uh, rush attempts, four and a half, excuse me, 4.7 yards a, a rush, 
Uh, now, he also caught the ball 27 times for four and a half yards a catch. Five touchdowns last year. They spread it out a little bit more than I think this team's going to spread it out. But Alex Fontenot was a staple to last year's rush attack. He's out. He's injured. He's not even listed on the depth chart right now. It's not like he may or may not play. He's not playing. So in comes, you may think, Buffs fans, I would say Jaron Mangum. That's not the case. Jarek Broussard will be starting at running back for the uh, Buffs. He's a sophomore. He hasn't played yet for the Buffs. What do you think about that, Jim? Yeah, he went down early last year before he even really got on the field with, a, I believe it was a knee injury, but it was a season-ending injury. Right. And so he he didn't play on for the Buffs at all last year. And I'm excited. I, I, I Everything that I've seen and heard about Broussard is he's a, a jitterbug. I think that was the word that Carl Dorrell used in his, in, his, <laughs> in his most recent <laughs> interview. He, he's a fast guy. He brings a different element that we really haven't seen. You know, Alex Fontenot is kind of more the all around back. He certainly has that breakaway speed, but that's not his game. I, I, I'd say the same thing with Jaron Mangum. So I think that that's why you're going to see Jarek Broussard as the lead back here because I think all the rest of the backs on their roster are kind of similarly built guys. You know, They're solid. They can run between the tackles. They can get outside. They can break away if you need to, but Jarek Broussard is a home run hitter. I can't wait to see how much they throw to him and if that's going to be in the game plan at all. And if he can catch the ball, which is something Alex Fontenot did very well last year, it's going to give another solid option to Sam Neuer, right? Throwing out of the backfield, checking down, whether it's called screen passes or things like that, or it's you're just hitting him on a check down. Can he catch the ball, right? Can he be a receiver out of the backfield? A lot of questions to be answered on this offense, as we mentioned. Line, Jarek Broussard. So, do the buffs go to him early? And that's why I said I think they need to throw to open up the run. But this 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 running back position, probably, you know, besides center, a couple others, you know, this is the, the highest profile position with the biggest question mark so far. What is Jerry Broussard going to do? The sophomore gets the start. But honestly, I feel good about that one-two punch. It's sort of like thunder and lightning. You get Broussard. The, he, he's, he's, you know, 5'9", 185, but quick, like you said. And then Jaron Mangum. We know Jaron Mangum. He's more of a downfield runner, maybe more of our goal line back. Not exactly sure if we're going to see him in that in that role. But I like this one-two punch, and I think they're going to exploit uh, UCLA's defense with those two guys. Do we have any details on what this Alex Bontano injury is? I know it kind of <laughs> snuck up on all of us. I mean, I, I, I uh, for those of you out there that don't uh, read on cubus.com, you absolutely should. Neil Welk's great writer on there. I read an article from Neil Welk kind of really focusing on these running backs and the depth that they have and that you're going to see three or four guys playing. That was October 31st. So that's what, this past Saturday. So a week before kickoff, not one mention of Alex Fontenot not being in there, nursing an injury, anything like that. And if I could just vent for one moment in this COVID time, that's got to be one of the most frustrating things for me, not only for what we do on this podcast, liking to provide as much information as we can to our audience, but just as a fan, I want to know what's going on with this team. And it is so hard to come by information. Media access is so limited at these practices, at these scrimmages. You just don't hear a lot. And I'm just shocked that we're not hearing anything about this injury for Alex Fontenot. I hope that it's nothing serious. Yeah, I, I, look, if you're going to put something out there like your starting running back's not going to play, I usually expect to know what's going on with him. Is it going to be a week, a couple weeks, the whole season? I checked Alex Fontenot's uh, Twitter account today because I figure he maybe posted something. Nothing. So, 
they're keeping us in the dark for a reason, right? I don't think that this coaching staff is just saying, or you know, whoever is just saying, oh, we're not going to tell anybody. There's probably a reason for this. And hopefully, God forbid, hopefully it's nothing COVID-related. You know, that's where my mind goes with all this. It's like, look at what's going on right now in the world in college football. That could be the case. And if there's one... There's usually more, but they've known this for some time now, like you said, Jared, and I'm not sure what's going on. So is he officially lift, listed as injured? Yep, on the depth yes. chart I'm looking yeah. at, I pulled from cbuffs.com, yeah. Well, and, and that's, that's even well, if... Well, I'm sorry, let me rephrase. Injured slash other. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now, so with the slash other, now you got to start thinking about academics. you got to start thinking about being very vague about injuries. You know, like even the you know NFL teams do it all the time. Somebody may have a broken finger but they call it that he has an arm injury well and 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 being amateur athletes i know this is something oklahoma and lincoln riley kind of uh you know ruffled some feathers early in the year that that he stated that he wasn't going to tell say who on his team tested positive for covid with hipaa rules you you don't have to so you don't have to disclose that kind of stuff and you do have a little bit more uh, uh, you know, from from a coaching standpoint, you, you don't have to be as open as say in the NFL. You have to be a little more honest and and out there with it. Not, not to what Tyler said. Not that they're trying to necessarily hide anything, but I think Ryan, you bring some other different good points to that. This could be something academic related. This could be COVID related. Heaven forbid, you know. But the the reality is, on their initial depth chart that they have, less than a week before the season starts. He doesn't look like he's playing this first. Yeah, season. and I'm not. I'm not trying to say you know academics is the whole thing. It could be a lot of things. Like I said, academics, COVID. It could be you know what they categorize as violation of team rules. Yeah. You, you know whatever it could is. have. It, mono. It, it could be. A, it, it could be. It could be a lot of things. All right. Before we move on, this is a Woos Media podcast. If you own a business, know anyone who owns a business, and want to make the most of your online marketing, check out Woos Media online. They don't just do podcasts. They are some of the best in current online marketing. You want to show up in front of people you want, whether it's apps, social media, online. Check them out online, woosmedia.com. That's W-O-O-Z-E media.com. All right. How you guys think Carl Durrell is going to come out here? First game is the CU Buffs head coach. And it's funny because when I'm looking back at his history, at first, a lot of question marks. He was with the Dolphins, kind of behind the scenes. But honestly, he went 35 and 27 at UCLA. He's got plenty of experience as a college head coach. What are you expecting to see from Carl Durrell game one? I, I I guess more of a hope. I want to see an aggressive coaching staff here. I, I want to see, like we talked about earlier, let's jump on these guys. I think this is a, a very well set up first game for the Aggressive Bucks. in terms of play calling or aggressive in terms of, uh, what's Florida's head coach? Dan Mullen. Aggressive in terms of Dan Mullen going out okay. looking to fight Missouri players. Yeah, yeah no, I don't, think we're, I don't think we're going there. Exactly. Carl Durrell does not strike me as that kind of aggressive guy. No, Did you see Dan I, Mullen last weekend in Florida? I, I, I didn't, no. There, there, there was apparently some play that, uh, it was a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. And uh, there was a late hit on Florida's uh, uh, quarterback. And Dan Mullen runs out there like a pissed off teenager looking to start fights with the Missouri players and coaches. It's like, okay, we've oh all seen God. Dan Mullen. That's not going to end <laughs> no, well. Exactly. That's, that's not going to end well. Uh, but no, I just, I want to see a coaching staff that doesn't, isn't, isn't timid, isn't afraid. I think with so much uncertainty with their season, you know, he gets hired a couple weeks later, everything gets shut down. He really doesn't have that continuity. I just want to see a team that they talk all about how, 
you know, they had so much time to work through the playbook and how they've never had a team so in-depth with the playbook. I want to see that come out. I want to see you. Don't don't hold. It's last game of the year. Don't hold anything back now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to see. I do. I want to see a coaching staff that comes out here and really goes for it. Now, I, I don't know. I, 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 I hate saying this as, as we're here trying to be experts, telling you guys what we think we're going to see. I, I don't know that we're going to see so that. up in the air. And I, I actually think probably more than anything – if and when we see the Buffs get a lead in this game, that'll be very telling to how Carl Durrell coaches from there. Does he keep his foot on the gas? Does he try to milk the clock? Does he go to more of a running game? Or does he keep pushing, pushing, pushing? I don't know, Tyler. What are you thinking? All right, so the first thing that comes to mind is I want to see a grounded head coach because that is something that we had last year in Mel Tucker and something we certainly didn't have with Mike McIntyre. I mean, every time CU had a big win, he's like bawling on camera after the game. Oh, these players. It's like, dude, act like you've been there before, right? He he did not handle success very well at all. Mel Tucker brought that. I want to see Carl Durrell continue that. And I think part of why the Buffs, you know, they brought him into Boulder was he has that calm attitude. He's going to get the job done. He's going to be nice and grounded. He's, he's not going to be too emotional. So I want to see that on the sidelines. If CU happens to get down 10-3 or something like that early, how does he handle himself? And I think he'll, he will be grounded, but that's something I'm going to be looking for. Also, I want to see a smart team. Not a lot of penalties. Not a lot of, again, from Sam Neuer, don't force it. From the defense, no stupid mistakes. No late hits. No hits out of bounds. No roughing the passer. No, nothing like that. I want to see CU come out, game one, smart. Making the right decisions, not just during the play, but before and after the play as well. Because that's something I think we've all unfortunately, grown accustomed to seeing the last couple of years is see you making those mistakes where they'd shoot themselves in the foot. It'd be third and 14 and we'd get a rough in the passer. It'd be third and one. We'd stuff him, but get an unnecessary roughness that has to go out the window. And I believe Carl Durrell's time in the NFL and his experience as a head coach that will bleed over to these players. And so that's one thing I'm looking for. And the last, I know Durrell's not going to be too involved with the, with specific play calling, but I want to see good creative plays both offense and defense. On offense, put Neuer in a good position. Give me some of these tunnel screens. Give me some of these r tight end screens, right? Whether, However you're being creative on offense, I want to see a lot of creative play calling, both for the benefit of the buffs, but for Sam Neuer. And on defense, disguise your coverages. Try and throw Dorian Thompson-Robinson off. Don't get picked off running your base defense, letting Dorian Thompson-Robinson sit back there all day. Be creative on defense. Bring the pressure and, and bring a lot of exotic looks. So those are that's kind of what I'm looking for from Carl Durrell and the coaching staff uh, game one. So overall, guys, we can kind of wrap this up by going our overall uh, uh, kind of approach here. I think, as I said earlier, CU needs to establish a passing attack. I think that opens things up on the ground. Three off, well, two new offensive linemen, inexperienced for the most part, right? Two, two sophomores and new running backs. You can't just ask this team to run downhill, open things up. And for, for the passing game, it's got to work the other way around. Open this defense up, move them around, spread them out by completing passes, whether it's vertical, getting them involved, as I said, tunnel screens, things like that. Make this defense fear the pass and, you know, use those veteran receivers. Use Brady Russell. And I believe that will help this team out in terms of running the football. On defense, again, get pressure on, on Thompson Robinson. Now, ideally, that would be good without bringing too much pressure from secondary linebackers, and that may be more of a feel-it-out process. I mean, I think this coaching staff, they, you know, they've seen this team in practice. They know what they could do in practice. Practice? Practice? 
it's so different. When that game starts, when that when that clock starts, when those lights turn on, it's it's a completely feel it out process. Hopefully, see you can get that done with their D line men. Maybe bring in one or two extra guys, but don't let their quarterback sit in the pocket again. Dorian Thompson Robinson last year, sixty percent completion percentage when he was not pressured. 45% when he was pressured. You have to make him uncomfortable. Also, you need to spy him. Again, his rushing stats last year, uh, to repeat, let me find it here. Let me find my stats, my stats. Dorian Thompson Robinson last year, when he was called to run the football, when Chip Kelly called his rush, called his name to run the football, 42 designed runs for 102 yards. When he scrambled, there were 45 scrambles for 403 runs. You know that's what he's going to do. He's not going to feel comfortable. He's going to scramble. Colorado has to counter that with someone spying on him the whole time. And overall, I believe it's CU's defense that should dictate the feel of this game. I know the offense has a lot to be excited about. I know the offense has a couple good pieces on the line coming back, a couple veteran receivers, but this defense has to put the offense in good positions. Don't, don't. Don't let the D, you know, don't uh, bring them on the field tired. You have to d- do your job not to give up too many yards. And if they do give up some yards, stay strong in the red zone, or at least when UCLA has the ball in the red zone. The defense of CU will dictate the field of this game. And I think that if the Buffs get a good, sh- a strong showing on D, it will carry over to the offense. The offense will move the football, will score this weekend. And I'm just ready to go, man. I can't, I, I, I can't remember the last time I was this excited for a home opener. And uh, let's go, boss. I, I think you're absolutely right, though, with the defense being kind of the driving force this game. When you when you look at the the Bruins, they are so excited about the development of Chip Kelly's offense and Dorian Thompson-Robinson's development within that offense. So I think that is so key to stifle that, to keep them from making big plays and allow your offense to go win you the game. All right, let's make our predictions as we're going to do every week. I will go first. I believe this defense, at least early in the game, shuts down what UCLA tries to do. The good thing for this, you know, from an overall approach, we know what UCLA is going to do. Both offense, defense, and the Bruins have no idea what the Buffs are going to do. Advantage CU. We're going to lean on our defense. I'm going to go more of a low-scoring game. I think CU gets the win 24-20. to I'm going to go for a similar score. I think the Buffs win a little bit bigger here, actually. I think I think the Buffs get up early, and then I, I, I think they kind of ride that defense to a win. I, I, I like the Buffs winning 27-17. Ryan, what do you think here? Prediction. All right, so I, I think they're going to – both teams are going to be rusty coming out, shortened with the pandemic season. Um, we've The Buffs do have a lot of tape on the Bruins and Chip Kelly. The Bruins have nothing on Carl Durrell and our offense – um, I am going to go because of that rustiness. I am going to go low scoring. I'm going to go buffs 20 Bruins 17. All right. So kind of right there in the same ballpark. I can't wait for this one, man. Sam Neuer, Neuer, the destroyer getting his first chance to lead the Colorado Buffs. So let's go see you first home game of the season. We'll talk to you next week on the Buffs Nation podcast.